This episode of The Loyal Sun Show is brought to you by Rendine Consulting. If you've listened to us for any amount of time, you know all about Rendine Consulting's commitment to the Pitt Athletics program and brand, and how much they've meant to the Loyal Suns. That's Rendine Consulting, providing investment managers assistance with technology integration. Visit www.rendineconsulting.com for more information. That's www.rendineconsulting.com. Such a lonely day, and it's mine. The most loneliest day of my life. Such a lonely day. Welcome back to The Loyal Suns Show. That's at The Loyal Suns on Twitter. Follow us there and follow us here for Pitt Sports content you won't want to miss. If you love nothing and hate everything, this is the place for you. The Loyal Suns Show. A safe, sunshiny, eh, place for your Pitt Athletics fix. Brought to you by Pittsburgh Sports Now. Today is Wednesday, October 26th, and... Our Pitt Panthers pulled out a W this weekend. Yeah, the Pitt Basketball Panthers took on PSAC bottom feeder, the Clarion Eagles, in an exhibition matchup and won the game by 52 points. Wow. Peterson Event Center was rocking, I'm sure. And... It was the highlight of the weekend, yeah. Highlight of the weekend. Blake Henson dropped 20 points. Wow. N- Nelly Cumming had a nice little showing. Six different players in double figures. The Panthers are poised for a rebound season under coach Jeff Cable. Wow. That is, you know, what an auspicious omen going into this season and absolutely, you know, what what Panther Nation was looking to hear. Did the football team play? Oh, shit. Yeah, they did. Uh, I'll, I'll pull up the box score. All right. Jokes aside, we got to get into it. We can't avoid it any further. Dylan, I've I mean, we can try. It's our podcast. We don't have to talk about anything we don't want to. And I don't want to talk about this. It's sad and depressing, and the implications are long. How much time you got, fella? All right. Let's, let's, yeah, let's do it. Um, Pit lost. 24 to 10 to a bad Louisville team this weekend. We were there in attendance. We drove 12 hours round trip, and that's being generous because it absolutely took longer than the GPS said it would. Um, so more like a thousand hours round trip. That's what it felt like. To Louisville to watch an unbelievably sad display. 10 points isn't good. One might even go as far to say it's bad. It's not going to pay the bills. Scoring 10 points against any team is not going to pay the bills. We said it, we were talking a little bit earlier before we started recording. If your defense holds an ACC opponent to 17 points, 
should never lose an ACC offense to 17 points. And, <laughs> and we did. And we did yeah. it. We really, really dropped the ball on this one. I think we were... That graph comes out each week. I forget who puts it out. One of the analytics Twitters. But for the expected outcome based on play success, we actually we outplayed Louisville by more than any losing team did this week. So turnovers, just boneheaded mistakes, inopportune, untimely missed opportunities. Three turnovers in plus territory. Yeah, I mean, that's... A recipe for disaster. I think we have to start there. We, yeah. Because our key to the rest of the season was run the ball and have Keaton Slovis play the ultimate game manager role. That was the exact opposite of what happened on Saturday. It could not have been worse. Take If they take sacks, they're up like two scores at halftime. Yeah, it was a little... Do anything but turn the ball over there. We get field goals and we're in an okay spot. It, it, it felt different than the Georgia Tech game. The other game, the offense absolutely blew for them this year. Uh, Georgia Tech was three and out after three and out after three and out. On Saturday, Pitt was actually able to move the ball a little bit. At times, the running game got going. They were getting down the field. Izzy had a buck 30. Once again, Izzy playing great football. and 180 total yards. And they just went out there and screwed it up. So, let's... I guess there are two direct... Who do we want to yell about first? The quarterback or the guy talking in his ear? I think they go hand in hand, but let's start with Slovis and go from there. Um, Two of the worst interceptions I've ever seen. The oh, second Jesus. one, I'm... The first one... Okay, we'll break it down. First one, if he would have overthrew it, a different guy would have picked it off, but he underthrew it, so that guy picked it off. And even if he threw it perfectly, like, I don't... There was no window at all. No. <laughs> so this was this was during a drive in the first quarter. I think it was a second down in the red zone. And he and decides Dan- to throw a jump ball. It wasn't even a jump ball. It was a 100-0 ball for the defense. Ball. And like you said, uh, was Dan that one... Carter yeah. Open in the flats. Could have army crawled to get a first down. But instead, we go long... Um, and, and that's another thing. Rewatching parts of the game, um, we we talk about how slow Slovis is at making decisions. I think he just doesn't see stuff. There were so many checkdowns. He was way too late on, and, and plays where Izzy or Dan Carter or or Vinny Davis were wide open in the flat, could have walked for a first down, and he just surveyed the field, surveyed the field, and either took a sack or threw it when a defender finally saw, like, oh, I should I should go to where he is, and they get tackled for no game. Yeah, I think he is just has no confidence and is not reading anything. I don't know what he was looking at, because Keaton Slovis hasn't taken, like, any risks all year, but out of the blue decides to th- chuck that one up like it, it made no sense so i think he must have predetermined something and wasn't even looking and just threw it the second one the second just, one i think the defensive back called a fair catch yeah like threw his arm up because he forgot it wasn't a punt for a second that one there was a guy hitting him and he got flustered which is no excuse but 
It's a little less mind-boggling than the first one to me. That play is, if you could pick one play from this game, kind of encapsulates what this offense is at this point. Because not only did Slovis throw a duck up to a defensive back who had to wait for the ball to come to him like a center fielder, the line didn't pick up multiple blitzers. We had two tight ends running step for step with each other on the same path 20 yards down the field. And there wasn't Which a receiver like in sight. Yeah, it, I, I've never seen it happen at any level of football this much. These guys running into each other on routes. I don't know how it happens. So to that, that kind of leads you right into Signetti. Is is this just a poorly coached offense? Are these guys not getting coached up? Are players not executing? I can't tell what the issue is there. I, I'm not on the inside, but is it the tight ends coach? Is it the receivers coach? not coaching these guys up to get open to not run the right routes is it signetti's scheme what how are they just so unorganized everywhere on offense is what i'm trying to figure out i mean i think it's a lot of things um i don't think we have a ton of receiving talent N- nobody looks to be getting that open and i i thought and in hindsight, I must have been tricking myself into seeing it against West Virginia that like, oh, no, guys are open. It's just like a matter of. See, and that's that's the thing. I don't think you were tricking yourself because how many we watched that game back and, you know, Big 12 defenses aren't known for their their prowess against passing attacks. Right. They let up a lot of yards, a lot of points. But Kanade Mumfield was getting open. He was creating separation and. And Slovis was hitting him out of his breaks, and it looked really good at times. Yeah. He didn't have put up a huge stat line or anything, but what do you have six or seven catches against West Virginia? And we were all saying it during the game, and then after the game, we were like, yeah, Mumfield's the real deal. Yeah, this is a different team. We talk about how Slovis isn't freshman year USC Slovis. He's not even week one or week two first half, Keaton Slovis. And that goes for the whole offense. I don't know what happened. So we were moving the ball. We were playing really well against talented Power 5 teams. Now we're playing bottom-of-the-barrel Power 5 teams, and we're unable to get in the end zone more than once. I mean, I'd love to blame it on a, on confidence, but like with Slovis, everything he does looks like he's in quicksand. His movements are so slow. His reactions are slow. It even looks like his brain is in quicksand sometimes. And he panics. How slowly he goes through his progressions. But I think it's just gotten more comical because now we have more tape on it. Like, so it's, you know, compounding itself. But man, I, I just, I, I don't even know what to make of that. And th- there, are, there are tools to scheme guys open and there are tools to make stuff happen in the run game. And we just aren't getting that from Signetti. Yeah, that's no a good creativity. That, you took the words right out of my mouth. Louisville is bad. And they managed to beat us because of <sighs> a few uh, creative play calls. They had that like double screen pass back to Cunningham. Yep. Uh, they had a couple other like timely, like deep shots that worked. Uh, they're a bad team, but they created a couple good opportunities. Mm-hmm. I cannot think of more than like one or two times where I'm like, wow, that was, was great play call by Signetti. Louisville's offense also looked like shit. The only difference is 
They tried to get creative in any capacity, and their receivers made a couple plays. Hmm. Jump balls that Malik Cunningham should not have thrown. <coughs> I was going to die if I didn't cough. <laughs> we good. Um, jump balls Malik Cunningham should not have thrown that receivers came down with, and it was enough. 17 points was enough to beat Pitt. Yeah, if you look at the box score... If you if you blacked everything out like a classified document and said, yeah, Izzy has 130 yards and Malik Cunningham has his stat line, which was like 10 for 21, 122, two passing touchdowns on two blown coverages and an interception. So that is a bad game. If I saw both of those things, I thought, wow, we contained Cunningham pretty well, aside from like a couple deep shots. Izzy takes care of business. We probably win. But who would have thought? Our quarterback would have played worse. I, I do want to give the defense a compliment because they they held them to 312 yards, which in college, especially when you have someone like Malik Cunningham who can make something out of nothing. Uh, not, I'm not going to call him a superstar, but, you know. His, dynamic player. He's a dynamic player. But even, even in a game where we held – a team to 17 offensive points and 312 yards. They still gave up two touchdowns on blown assignments. And I know, I know that's college, you know, that's, yeah. that happens, but it, it happens all the time against Pitt. It's other coaches know what we do. And they're like, Hey, if we do this fake screen, their safety or linebacker is going to bite and we'll be able to beat them over the middle. And it happens every game, which if you play as well as the defense did for the rest of the game, you still have a chance to win. But they were on the field so much, and they that's couldn't. what I was just gonna say. I can't, I can't really blame the defense there. That's gonna happen. You have to take the good with the bad. And Louisville had seven points going into the fourth quarter. That's a game that should have been out of hand already if the offense would have just taken care of business, taken care of the ball. Even if Pitt would have played the conservative approach that we're all worried about them playing, but instead just didn't throw two picks and didn't fumble in plus territory, Pitt's probably up a couple scores. But that's got to wear on a defense, knowing that we're standing on our heads week after week. We're making plays, we're making stops, and our offense is is useless. It's got to wear on them as a unit, mentally, emotionally. And I feel like at this point, Pitt is squandering one of the best Narduzzi defenses we've seen and an All-American running back. That's what it feels like because of a couple pieces on offense that can't get it figured out. Well, outside of the game, <laughs> did we have fun in Louisville? I think we checked out of the hotel that we stayed at, which was actually really nice. Um, the woman at the desk was like, did you enjoy your stay in Louisville? And I said, no. And then she had like a really concerned look at her face. I was like, oh, no, no, no. Uh, the hotel was fine. The city was cool. But we just had other things that impacted the weekend. Okay. Uh, a game played by college students. The rest of the weekend was fun. I had a good time. I think Louisville was really cool. Went to the Muhammad Ali Center. Would highly recommend for anyone. Who go? I didn't get to spend that much time there because they were clo they closed around five. And there were beers to be drank. That that too. Yeah. But I could spend hours in there. So anyone going to Louisville in the future, uh, that's a must stop for you. Yeah, a lot of cool stuff down there. Um, bourbon is cool. 
Southern food, also very cool. Their uh, fans, really cool. Stadium. Very cool stadium. Yeah. Very cool. I would I would kill for that stadium to be in Oakland. Um, but yeah, no, their fans were almost obnoxiously nice. And, like, I remember we we got, like, carried into a tailgate by these two, like, older families of, like, retired teachers. And they were the sweetest people ever. They were so nice to us. And I remember complaining to them and being like, we're getting annoyed at, like, how amicable this is. We usually like a little bit of back and forth, but you guys are too nice. And they said, like, oh, if you... I'm not going to do a fake Southern accent right now. I'm. <laughs> they basically said, well, if you hate when people are nice to you, never go to Clemson, South Carolina. Because they are so nice to you, it's condescending. And then we talked about it. We found out that we hate all the other same fan bases as Louisville. But I, I don't want to get them away with it completely because it did seem like Louisville fans did a standard issue like, oh, every you guys have fun. We're just two teams that you know aren't doing that good. Let's just have a good time. And then the second it was apparent they were beating no. us, we just had people turning around and going double birds. <laughs> I know. It was so weird because before the game – like, Where was this for 58 minutes? Every time I was like, in line for the Porter Johns or like, was in line like trying to get a beer, I would just turn to a Louisville fan and be like, what do you think of the game or whatever? And more than half of them would say, oh, I don't care. I hope we fire our coach or something along yeah, those lines. Like and at the end of the game, I was like, well, sorry to get your coach fired. And there are also a lot of fans that came out of the woodwork and were just like really mad at us. I'm like, I thought you didn't want to win. I thought you were going to get your coach fired. Yeah, we got it – was, it was like the most pleasant and docile environment I've been in as an away fan until that fumble return for a touchdown and we were getting MF'd out the building. People were taking shots at Kenny Pickett, which hurt my feelings. Yeah, um, we just kept telling people Lamar Jackson's a running back. Yeah, we said Pickett's better than Lamar and like he's going to dominate Lamar in the AFC North for like the next 10 years. And they'd be like, are you serious? Lamar won an MVP. <laughs> he won the Heisman. And they got all flustered like, yeah, he's a running back. Not a true quarterback. No, that's the... That's like the Michael Jordan quote from Last Dance. Like, see if the trash talk starts when it's zero zero instead of five six point lead. That's where it starts. That's the sign of a real man. That's what it felt like when the game was tied or when Pitt went up. It wasn't there. Everybody but, was being friendly, but they were pretty cool fans. I I made a friend in the stands. Uh, big Phil. We talked. Oh, he was consoling us big time. Yeah, he was just like, "Was he giving us hugs?" Yeah, gave me a big <laughs> hug after the, the game. Big guy with the white beard. Yeah. Great people. Good people. If I'm ever back in the area, love to see him again. But uh, cool fans. Cool. Cardinal Stadium's awesome. Like you said, I would love to toss one of those right in Panther Hollow, maybe mm-hmm. Shenley Park. But Louisville's a cool place, but I won't be going back. I'm scarred. Unless I do. In which case you will. Yes. <sighs> so um, we covered the game, and we're we're about to bring back everyone's least favorite segment because when we bring up this segment it's because something terrible happened we didn't have this segment for probably close to a year yeah we got through halfway last year and said we don't need this anymore we're good we're a dynasty yeah a proper program but before we get back to seat check we do have some like like kind of fun good podcast news business real quick 
Um, and we have to talk about it about it now because we know you guys skip the ads. Uh, <laughs> but we have we have two new advertisers, um, Guerrero Law, which is a personal injury um, firm. Guido Guerrero, Pit grad, great dude, Pit super fan. Um, he's begun to work with us, and we're really excited to be promoting him and his brand. And then uh, had at Accelerated Delivery which is a subsidiary of Amazon, and they are looking uh, for workers. Oh, that almost sounds bad. Drivers, employees. They're, workers has a weird connotation to it, it feels like. They're hiring. Looking for labor. Not a sweatshop. No, no, like a very good company that, um, especially with the holiday coming up, you can earn a $3,000 uh, signing bonus if you work through the holiday. Um, good people. Um one famous alumni, Donnie Football, worked there right before he got hired to work on the fan. Great stepping stone, apparently. Absolutely. So if you want to be on Pittsburgh Radio's number one rated show, work at Had at Accelerated Delivery, and there's a pipeline. 100% success rate for those looking to get on to 93.7 The Fan. 100%. No, we're really excited um, to have these sponsors, and we, we hope to do right by them. But it's just kind of funny that we finally have people that are, like, giving us money to do this. And there was a, I don't want to say a serious conversation at, like, 3 a.m. in Louisville on Saturday night about, like, if we had to keep doing this podcast. <laughs> I think we were talked off the ledge pretty quickly. We were talked off, but it was a little tongue-in-cheek. But it was also like, wouldn't it be hilarious if Pitt loses a couple games and we just said, yep, disbanded, never again. It'd be very funny, but Guido paid in advance. <laughs> Here we are. You guys can thank Guido for us doing the show this week. Yeah, and call Guido if like bad stuff happens to you and you get hurt, because then you can get money for your, your ills. Which is probably a good segue to get into this ad then. You guys have anything else to say about... The fine people who are paying us money for our goods and services. Thanks for the money. So, as I was saying, Panther Nation, have you ever been rear-ended in Oakland rush hour traffic? Any of that sound familiar? I've rear-ended someone. So if Dylan's ever rear-ended you in Oakland traffic, or you guys... You know, wipe out on an icy sidewalk. Uh, or does Oakland still have those food robot deliveries? Probably. Yeah, so if you ever get, like, mauled by one of those, you may not have to pay your own hospital bills. If you're hurt in an accident, pick up the phone and call Guido at Guerrero Law. Guido is a pit grad. Pitt super fan and an experienced personal injury attorney who's licensed in Pennsylvania and Ohio, and it is 100% free to call him if you are hurt in an accident and ask if you might have a case. So next time you crash a spin scooter going cardiac down Cardiac Hill or just regular fall down Cardiac Hill, it is very steep, or what are other pit-related injuries? Fall down the steps at Get into a fight at fall down the steps at the Cathedral of Learning. There's a lot of really high elevation in Oakland. Thrown through a window by a future NFL All-Pro. <laughs> if any of those things happen to you, call Guido. 
All joking aside, and you know we love jokes, uh, Oakland and the world can be a very dangerous place. And if you need legal help, talk to Guido. He will treat you like a fellow Pit fan and never a number. But speaking of numbers, his is 412-229-7757. That's 412-229-7757 to call Guido. You can also contact him at Guerrero Law at GuerreroLaw.com. That's G-U-R-R-E-R-A. Law is also spelled L-A-W, just in case. I don't want to assume. Um, call Guido today. So we have climbed down into the cellar of the Royal Sun's headquarters, ripped up the floorboards under which we keep all of our goodies and contraband, and uh, unearthed the vault that we lock away the seat check segment in. Back by popular demand. Back by demand for sure. I don't know if it was by popular demand or performance-based, but uh, it's that time again to evaluate... um, Well, Dylan, you say it best. Seat check. How, How hot is everyone's seat? Zero being... Wants that after 13 to 9, 100. Haywood after being re- arrested for domestic violence. So it's time to evaluate um, the job security of several people around the PIT program uh, and just take a greater look at the direction that this program is headed in. And uh, gentlemen, I'll, I'll let you know where, where I'm kind of sitting on the three people we're going to be talking about. I am uh, rocking an all-black tracksuit today uh, because I'm attending the funeral of Hit as a decent football program. Uh, the headstone reads September 2021 to December 2021. Uh, R.I.P. What a ride. It was fun while it lasted. And I would say it went to about September 2022. We were still pretty respectable after. When we were sitting at 3-1, and one, Three and one. It felt okay. I don't know. I think we were looking through those rose-tinted glasses a little bit. Because in hindsight... Well, to be fair, we... We almost beat Tennessee, but go on. Only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. I don't even want to go down the road. I was going to go down by pointing out that, like, we actually didn't look that great against a team in West Virginia that in hindsight was okay. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Next. Exactly. Next. Um so we're gonna we're gonna look at seat temperatures for Slovis, Narduzzi, and Signetti. Yes. Probably not in that order. Wouldn't make as much sense. Let's go up the chain. Slovis, Signetti, Narduzzi. All right. Let's do that. Can I go first? Please. Brett. 92 degrees for Keaton Slovis. I think if I was the head coach, granted Nick Patty is healthy and like full participant, which I think he is now finally, I would start him against North Carolina. I don't think what Keaton Slovis has shown us in the last couple weeks gives me any chance to think we can beat a team with a good offense, such as North Carolina. But after the game and today in his press conference, Narduzzi said Slovis is still the guy. 
take that for what it's worth. It is a coach during a media press conference, but I have a feeling it'll still be Slovis this week, and he may be playing for his job. I'm going to put it at 75. I don't think it's that high internally, but to balance out the fan base and the coaching staff and everything in between, I'm going to put it right around there. It's it's pretty toasty, but I don't think he's a game away from it, but at the same time. So this will be an unpopular opinion amongst Pitt fans right now, and it'll probably be an unpopular opinion amongst you too. I kind of agree with everything Narduzzi's been saying. About? He, he said today, he mentioned that it really messes with a team if you if you just go out there and bench the starting quarterback. He also said that he thinks Slovis gives them the best chance to win moving forward. And as bad as that sounds, I think the issues with the offense are so systemic and so much more than Keaton Slovis and so much more than quarterback play. If you bench Slovis, there's two ways it can go. One, you're telling your team that the guy you all thought was the best player quarterback on the team for the last six months or so ain't going to get it done. Or you can throw in a Nick Patty and can galvanize the team. They can rally around the scrappy guy who's been here for five, six years. I think the first option is more likely. I think that's a surefire way to show that this this team ends six and six. I'll add this. I think the fact that the season is more or less over may give Slovis a longer leash. It's not like, oh, if we put in this backup and he's good, we can salvage something here. The difference between going six and six and seven and five is basically nothing. So you might as well play Slovis a little bit longer and hope you figure something out. Maybe something clicks. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's, I think it's bleak either way. I agree. Um, and an, an added factor to that is that I'm pretty sure Slovis can come back next year and Patty can't. No, they both can come back. They both can. Patty, Patty has his COVID year if he wants it. With that added information, it might almost be worth seeing. You know, if if, if Patty has something, if, if he can will himself to winning games for us, because otherwise you're basically saying like, yep, and we're burning next year too with Slovis. Because unless you want to start Kenny Vinci next year, which would be kind of sweet, um, by keeping Slovis in, you're basically signaling like, yep, and next year too. Let's get Kenny Vinci on campus before we start fantasizing about him as our quarterback. I don't know. I Honestly, people have already been discussing like, Oh, Notre Dame is poaching that kid. He's going to see Cincinnati's offense and head for the hills. If I were him, I'd be looking at this offense and being like, yeah, I could start as a freshman. Which is a big deal to recruits. Mm-hmm. I, are we counting out Nate Yarnell as the future starter? The sheriff? No, no. Because I, last week, everyone was calling for Yarnell to be the guy. Two weeks ago, whatever it was, we were ready to toss Yarnell out there, and he was the future of the program. 
I think if you put Yarnell in, that's basically telling your seniors to go pound salt and we're, we're getting ready for the future and we don't care about your senior year. So I think that is absolutely off the table. That I, that I agree with. I, I think it's either patty or nothing at this point. Um, but so to get back at, you know, the whole, you know, prompt and point of this entire exercise. Um, and I, like you guys, am struggling to kind of balance what the actual likelihood of Slovis getting benched with, like, the spirit of the idea of a hot seat, which is furious fans, um, you know, the media surrounding the program, how they feel. I'll go, uh, I'll go 70, because I really don't think Narduzzi is going to, uh, to sit him, especially after how strongly he came out in support of, uh, Slovis. And I respect uh, Narduzzi for that. Yeah. I, I think that's what you're supposed to do as a football coach. I appreciate that he's not wavering on that. And in Narduzzi's mind, if he truly thinks they're riding with Slovis and he's their best option, he should be doing exactly what he's doing. Honestly, uh, not to take any credit away from Narduzzi, but I think it might be an easy decision for him because of the way the O-line is playing, Slovis might just get hurt again if they decide to <laughs> knock it out of their stance and let him get blasted by the star D end again. Maybe we'll just get hurt and we'll have to see Patty or Yarnell by default. We didn't talk about that play. That was unforgivable. Was that minor? It was Hoy. a couple of guys. <laughs> that was unforgivable, but like, Slovis didn't realize there was a defensive end coming at him until he was on the ground and the play was blown dead. Like, I've never... It, he was so oblivious to what was going on, and that guy was... Well, that play was not blown dead. That play was returned for a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> so... That, you, you're... That's my point. <laughs> yeah. I... Slovis, maybe he... If Slovis is a more mobile quarterback, which we know he's not. Maybe he can avoid that and make something happen. I'm having trouble putting the blame on Slovis for letting a uh, defensive end run free full steam ahead <laughs> with zero resistance from five yards away. I'm not putting the blame on Slovis's feet. He had no idea anyone was coming. He probably thought there was no chance in the world that unless his... <laughs> Right tackle didn't get out of his stance that someone could get to him that quick. I think you got to have a little bit more pocket presence than that. I think no, isn't that the internal clock? He was like, you know, you get one, two, three. His was like one blasted in the head by the untouched at the end. I'm not putting that one on slopes. I mean, there was something wrong with that play. Yeah, There's yeah. a reason guys didn't get out of their stance. Not not to get too in the down the wormhole about that one, but I. I kind of agree with Squid not saying that Slovis is going to get injured. Um, but I could also see the coaching staff doing that thing of like, oh, he's playing worse game by game. And I already said I was sticking by him. So if he looks shaken up on any play, I'm just going to be like, yeah, you know what, buddy? We're just going to protect you. Come, we got to protect you, you know. You want to play this game the rest of your career? Like, come, come, sit next to me on the bench. Have we ruled out Izzy Hammond's Wildcat for the rest of the year? Oh, that is a perfect transition to uh, to the next subject of this this little segment we have here, and that is Frank Signetti. And I would like to start. Go. Yeah. You had 
two weeks to prepare an offense to run a really cool two-back system with the best running back in the country right now in Izzy Banacanda and a guy who would be starting for 80% of Division I football teams in Rodney Hammond. And the best you could come up with was the fucking Wildcat? Are you kidding me? Is it 2004? That is the best you could come up with to get them both involved in the game and on the field at the same time. I think it is fitting that we use the Wildcat because everything else that we run is from that era. Okay, can I say something? Go ahead. I like the Wildcat. I know they either. scored their only touchdown off it. Rodney Hammond broke a big play off it. You have both guys on the field. And the ball's not in slopes his hands. Okay, okay. We had an internal com- not internal. We had like, this conversation. We had this conversation at a bar Friday night because we may or may not have uh, heard to look out for the Wildcat. And our first reaction was, "That's pretty desperate. That's like waving the white flag on your quarterback." Yeah, which it is. Yeah, but I would argue that we should. I know people are mad at Narduzzi for like, oh. We had such a good passing attack last year. Run the damn ball. Our quarterback is not good. What makes people think that we'd be better by throwing the ball more? In theory, I would love to be more balanced. I would love to not run the ball against nine men in the box fronts. Mm -hmm. But I don't think we stand a chance of winning games if we try to air it out more. So uh, I would like the Wildcat if used correctly and not like the Mark Whipple days of AJ Davis up the middle power back to back plays. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm not saying I hate the Wildcat as much as that's what my my tone kind of portrayed. Mix it in, fine. It it was getting us a couple good plays, but that was the best he could come up with. I'm fine with the Wild sprinkling it in, like a fine seasoning. But that was that was it. That guy, that guy had two weeks to get us ready for Louisville to figure out how we could get both of our biggest weapons on the field at the same time and make them both a threat. Said, "Let's run some Ronnie Brown Wildcat," and then pat himself on the back and said, "I'm so smart. We're gonna win this game by a hundred points and nothing else." There were so many. There's. So much you can do with those two people on the field. Yeah. And and that was all we came to the table with. And then they, they barely let Hammond touch the ball again after his fumble, which I get it. You're a coach. You want to teach the young guys some, you know, consequence. But we really could have used him on the field with the ball in his hands. I think the Wildcat kind of worked, which why well, I'm not totally mad about it. I'm mad that our offense is ran like a high school. It's like, all right, well, we had some screen passes here and there, even though they don't work. We have had like one successful screen pass all year. We still insist on trying them like four or five times a game. Uh, no creativity, uh, jet sweeps. It's, it's like, there's no creativity. It's not doing the players any favors. It's just bad. Uh, I don't know how we've seen so many iterations of this offense. I don't know how we could have ran the offense that we did 
in the first half against Tennessee. I know it's a broken record, but I don't know how we could have run that offense like that and just never – we have not seen it once again. We have not seen spread it. And maybe it's personnel. Maybe I don't think the receivers are good enough. Maybe slow. Maybe he has regressed so much since then, but they we're back to square one. Yeah, that's going to be like a documentary on Dateline one night, like one of the biggest mysteries in the world. I'll be on my deathbed like asking, like, did anybody ever find out like why Pitt couldn't do that? Just the Bermuda Triangle of football. Yeah. It, so can we get some temperatures here? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm I'm probably sitting at like eighty to eighty five on Signetti. Um, I I typically would never expect, especially like an old school guy like Narduzzi, to fire an OC after one season. But so many of his decisions have been that head scratching. Yeah, I'll go right around the eighty eighty mark. I'm gonna go eighty, and. I agree with you. I couldn't see Narduzzi just cutting ties with him. But there's a part of me that maybe some outside donors or people involved with the program might say, hey, Pat, uh, these recruits aren't loving the the offense from the 1980s. We need something else. We're not dealing with this, so... There might be some pressure, and nature of college football, there might be some some other pressures there to to change directions. So we'll see how the season plays out. I was higher than both of you on the Slopes temp. I'm going to be a little bit lower than you on the Signetti temp. I don't think he gets fired after one year. It's going to be back for next year and probably get fired then. Uh, so I'll say like 72. Perfect. That's a room temp. Yeah. So I think it should be a lot higher, but just because it's his first year, it's like, what are you going to do? All right, let's go to the big dog. All right. Coach Dues. Wait, real quick. I thought about not saying this, but I'm going to say it. Somebody Saturday night said, man, we should have just promoted Brendan Marion, right? And that was just the ultimate gut punch of the weekend. Imagine the go-go offense with Hammond and the Izzy. So does that sentence hurt? Uh, sorry, does that sentence hurt worse than Jordan Addison was right? No, but it's close. But no, no. I I agree with you because you go back and you think like, oh yeah, he was being the most obnoxious, childish, forty-four-year-old man yeah. on the earth, and you simply can't give that all the response you can't have that the keys to 50 percent of your football program yeah and also jordan addison was right so moving on to uh pat narduzzi <laughs> who wants to go first here me 30 narduzzi's not going anywhere and pit fans can be as pissed off as they want at him he just goes sign an extension so 30 is a little high that's factoring the the fan base factor narduzzi's not going anywhere that being said fact that this gives me some time to talk about Narduzzi. Talked a really big game in the offseason. Talked all this stuff about Pitt not being respected. Uh, we're like just confident, cocky, arrogant and it's that Narduzzi, he's our jackass. We love him for it, but he he really looks like an idiot right now. 
Remember that Richard Bazzi interview he did, which, first of all, what? <laughs> just a dude that owns a bunch of car dealerships just has, like, a weekly radio show and got Pat Narduzzi to come on and talk all the cash oh. on anyone who's doubted or left the program in the last year. Or talking down on the Big Ten, uh, talking down on other conferences, talking about how great the ACC is, best score. He did all this stuff, went on. Because I think Narduzzi thought they were going to walk through the season and go 10-2. and two, yeah. or, or better, make it back to the ACC. So I, did we. And so did all of us. And we were, we bought into it. And now it's like, put your money where your mouth is, Pat. Figure something out because you look like a real idiot right now. And a lot of those national media people who were disrespectful of the program, turns out they they look like they were right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to keep Narduzzi's low. There's no chance he goes anywhere. It sucks that this was such a pivotal year because if you stack two really good seasons together, that can really catapult you. Like one year, great. Build some momentum. But two years is like, oh, this pit team. They're not a two flash years, in the pan. Two years is a repeated pattern of behavior. Yeah. So it sucks that this is where we're at already. But I, I'm going to put him like 25 because I don't think there's a real conversation about his job for a couple more years, even if it's at this level. Also, second point, he needs to take some heat for the Signetti hiring. I don't know what other options were out there, but man, his OC hires have been pretty shitty. So um, he'll be fine. Signetti, don't imagine he'll be around super long. You got to hire a good OC that can run an offense from this century and get you back to where we were last year because that is the head coach's job. Yeah, I, I agree with pretty much everything you guys have said. Um, he just signed a massive extension, not going anywhere. He would need to put together a couple pretty putrid seasons, I think. He earned enough goodwill last year that I he can afford a couple bad seasons. Um, it just dawned on me how depressing it is that you could have taken the last like 20 minutes of our podcast and if you just replace um, Hit for Steelers... Narduzzi for Tomlin and Signetti and uh, Canada, you would not be able to tell the slightest difference other than some like terms that are used in college but not the pros, like program as opposed to franchise. Um, so that is, we're in a really good spot right now here, Pittsburgh football. Worst year of our lifetimes. Um, no, I agree with you guys. He's probably around 15, 20 degrees. He's going to be here for a while. Um, but that doesn't mean that he can't bother the shit out of me right now. I mean, Alex Kirshner, um, split zone duo. He's a Pittsburgh guy. He had a point on Twitter that I agree with. And it's basically just how bad it is that Narduzzi found a system that worked, that won an ACC championship, that gave this program its best season in 40 years and then threw the entire concept away because it wasn't his thing. That was Mark throwing the ball, you know, 60, 70% of plays. That was Mark Whipple's. 
Pat Narduzzi runs the football. So we pull Frank Signetti from Boston College under the premise that he would pound the rock. And get... But he says yens. He says yens. We can't be mad, guys. He went to IUP. But no, we, we went away from a thing that worked. To satisfy, in some capacity, Narduzzi's ego, because he does want to play that Michigan State style, where you play lockdown defense, and you score just enough points to win a football game. Um, You know, give your defense a break, whatever you want to call it, however you want to quantify it. But it makes me question the long-term viability of the program under him. Because we are not going to, he's shown that he can't sustain success if the success isn't, you know, in some way directly falling at his feet and, you know, his way of doing things. So, long term, big picture, I hope that because of everything you just said, Narduzzi can take a long look in the mirror and realize that the best his team has ever looked is when he was hands off, found an offensive coordinator who had a style that could win in this day and age of college football, went hands off, said, I'll worry about the defense. I'm a defensive coach. And he goes and does his best to find an OC that can just run that part of the program until then we're going to have these type of issues where he wants to have his footprint. And I get it. College football. Okay. Fourth and one, I want to go for it. You know, coach makes that decision. We we want to get aggressive here, you know, co- go out and game plan. We want to throw it out. I don't know. But he has to let, like he let Mark Whipple just do his thing, put in his system, and let him run the show on offense. Find a guy like that. Question for you both. I know we just rip on the coaches a lot in these last 10 minutes. What would our record be right now if we had like a Nate Peterman or like a pretty darn good college quarterback? Six and one. Probably. So we aren't good right now, but we're not far off from being one of the best teams in the conference. I, I would concur so. with that, and I think that's why we're hurting so bad and we're complaining so much about a 4-3 and three pit team, a thing that would not have phased us three years ago. Because we see that the pieces are there. We see that Narduzzi is building a foundation for this program. But we also see that the same stubbornness that we find sometimes endearing in him has caused him to... Kind of take a blow an opportunity. I was I was looking for take a jackhammer to that foundation, but I like that you used a non metaphor because everything's broken by pit. <laughs> I don't think it's all apocalyptic. I, I know a lot of pit fans are like, uh, this is same old Narduzzi. We'll never never not have another winning season. We're done. It was a flash in the pan. It was just Pickett. Pickett was a big part of it, but I do think Narduzzi has built some good foundational pieces and has started to bring in a certain type of player. I yeah. think you can see that from the defense. I think you can see that from 
a large part of the team that just isn't involved in the passing game. And I'm I'm not ready to give up on pit football. I'm just I'm just pretty upset right now. I 100% feel it. I think it all comes back to having a quarterback at the University of Pittsburgh. And I named Kenny. Named Kenny and I I hope I don't kick myself for this down the road, but I'm I'm really optimistic about Kenny Minchie. And if they can keep him committed and, you know, they can kind of keep the program together, get a couple good transfers, find a couple diamonds in the rough at wide receiver, I think we could be feeling pretty good again in about two years. I'll be feeling pretty good next year. Who are we kidding? We'll be talked into an ACC championship berth. We'll be complaining about not being ranked come By next July. August. Yeah. God, we're predictable. Just like Signetti's offense. Are you or someone you know looking for work in a recession-proof industry? Are you someone that's interested in things like having health care, having a 401k, immediate PTO accrual, an employee assistance program, and referral bonuses? Our newest sponsor, Haddad Accelerated Delivery, an Amazon delivery partner, is looking for safety-minded and dependable drivers to join their delivery service team. Be a part of a company that will encourage self-ownership and award bonuses based on exceptional safety and delivery efforts. This is the ideal gig for individuals seeking full-time work or students interested in making some pretty good money during breaks. If you or someone you know is safety-focused, hardworking, organized, efficient, and team-oriented, text HADD to 464-646 to apply. I understand that that is an impossible string of letters and numbers, so here it is again. That's H-A-D-D to 464-646. For a job that's the total package, get it? Because, like, it's uh, deliveries. Haddad Accelerated Delivery is the place for you. So there's a silver lining about like the last, you know, just the pit program. Um, we've done 36 episodes of this show before one of us picked against Pitt in a game. And I imagine at least one of us is going to break that streak today. Only one. Let's let's let the suspense build. But uh, I'll get kicked off. We we've got a sports book again this week. I'll get us going with the props. Before that, before we go through the props, and this will kind of be part of that. If you can give me ten seconds on what plausible path is there to Pitt winning this game? I'll start off by saying I am flabbergasted at the line being what it is. What, two points, right? I think it hopped up to four. It opened at two. Let me confirm. Mm. We keep going, Squid. As a Pitt fan, I know I'm not Vegas actually making the line like analytically how they do it. Uh, I mean, sorcery or however they do it. Sorcery. I would have guessed UNC would be maybe 
10, 13, 14 point favorites. Yeah. Uh, that's a little extreme, but I would say at least a touchdown would be where I would have penciled it in at. As of right now, FanDuel has it at three and a half. So. I mean, I might be a rich man next week. I won't. Okay. Do you see any plausible path for them to win? Because it kind of sounds like Squid says no. <laughs> see, I you when you phrase it like that, I mean, we're playing North Carolina, not Ohio State. Right. And, but how we feel right now, it feels like terrible. Right. But you know, underneath all that terrible, you know, are the memories of the pre picket being really good year year singular um and that thing of where when pit is at its stupidest and sloppiest is when it pulls out its most bullshit wins the super weapon theory now they're all out they'll reel us back in exactly <clears throat> yeah that's kind of what it feels i do want to knock you down a peg unc is also coming off a of bye week so here's the one thing that makes me think it could be a game UNC, they have one loss to a not great Notre Dame team, but all their wins are pretty close too. They beat Duke by three. They beat Miami by three. They beat Georgia State by seven. They beat Appalachian State by two and gave up like 40 points in the fourth quarter. This is the worst defense we will face, and we have faced bad defenses. That's about all the good I can say. Notice I said... It's just because their defense is bad. No, I, I really do think... And so is Louisville's. Shit. Right. I I do think that there's a plausible path here, and I think it's... I actually think it's the game plan that Narduzzi has wanted to institute all yep. season. <laughs> yep. Just hold on to the ball for 25, 30 minutes. Let's just get into sports book, because this is oh, all yeah, yeah. I didn't even give you... Well, I did share the note with you guys. I know none of you have looked at it, though. I wouldn't have either way. Okay. Over under three and a half Drake May passing touchdowns. Over. Uh under. I'm gonna go under. But he'll probably like run for one too. Yeah. If it was total, that'd be the easiest over. But Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If it was if it was total, I'd be going over, yeah. but um I don't think he's gonna it would be on the pit of pit to lose the way we think they're going to lose. True. So he's going to run for four touchdowns and throw for one. Drake may. Okay. Izzy over under 149 and a half scrimmage yards. So not purpose, all purpose. We're not counting the kickoffs rushing and receiving. Will he go? Will he hit one fifty? Squid you first. I will say over. UNC is bad. I think as you'll get like a 70-yard touchdown around this game. I'm actually having a really hard time with this one. Um, and also, is he screen passes he got? He looked like a... It was like a Madden play. Like juke moves, spin moves. Yeah, they, where has that been also? They got to do that. They will do that. Where has that been? He just ripped off like a 40-yard screen. 
and we haven't thrown in one of those since week one. Our leading receiver last week, three catches for 50 yards. That is so deeply embarrassing. Um, in theory, I want to go over here because, like I said, Pitt's best way to win this game would be doing what Narduzzi wants to do, holding onto the ball, feeding Izzy 36 times, keeping the ball out of Drake May's hand, chewing up clock, and wearing out the defense. But I could also see this just being a Rodney Hammond game for some reason. So I think they will feed the hot hand. And if Hammond is chunking UNC to death, I could see them giving him 25 carries. So I I will go under, and that's not because I don't think we're going to move the ball on the ground on this team. It's just a matter of who. That's fair. I think I'm going to go over just because Izzy has been so good this year. I just don't want to bet against him. That's very fair. Another point, I saved this to off. You both made your picks, and they're locked in. Duke rushed for 297 yards on UNC. They played, so. And we're better than Duke at running the ball, I would think. Mark. Maybe. Yeah. All right. This is a fun one, or a not-so-fun one, depending on how you want to look at it. Will another quarterback play for Pitt in this game besides Keaton Slovis? Does a wildcat count? Great no. Question. Great call out. No. Like another rostered quarterback. Nick Patty, Nate Yarnell, Derek Kyler, Eli Kasanovich, Jake Frantel. What if Jared Wayne throws a pass? No. Okay. I will say yes. I don't think there actually will, but for the sake of our point system, I'm going to say yes. And I think there's a chance that this game is over early. Like we're down a lot towards the end and they're like, all right, well, go out there, Nick. Uh, can I get extra points if I correctly call that it's Eli Kasanovich? Yes. You can have 10. <laughs> really? Yes. I'm not actually going to do that. Um, my honor and perceived intelligence are more important than points. Anyway, um, I'll say no. Nar- I mean, Narduzzi used the strongest possible terms to say Slovis is our guy. Um, and I, I think that would even mean like you know, if we're getting dog walked, he's letting Slovis stay out there and try to pad the stats a little bit. There's always a chance Slovis gets banged up. There's always a chance we see a little bit of wild patty. They they went with the wildcat with Izzy and Rod Hammond. Why wouldn't Signetti just get a little wild pat? Uh, I'm going to say no, too. I think Narduzzi wants to prove a point. I am, fingers crossed, Slovis is going to turn it around at some point. We're going to see, especially against a defense that we know is not very good, this would be the time to do it. I'm going to say no as well. We knows across the board? Yeah. Okay. I'm just saying no. I made a case for yes, but I I don't think it's going to happen. I appreciate that. Appreciate the... Love the Skip Bayless of the group there. The old college try. Yeah. All right, next. This kind of goes hand in hand with how Slovis plays. Over under 12 and a half catches for wide receivers next week. Now, let me 
let me preface this. <laughs> oh, if, I knew the second you said it, there was going to be a really good statistic with this. If my quick math tells me right, Jared Wayne had two catches, Gavin Thompson had a catch, Kanani Mumfield had two catches, Jalen Barden had a catch. Our receivers accounted for six catches against Louisville last week. What? Keaton Slovis had 16 completions on 29 passes. Six passes were caught by wide receivers. Squid, you go first. I have to do some real quick math. I'm going under. Any defense there? You yeah, just... keep talking. I can't do math. I said under just because I don't have much faith in Slovis, but now I'm realizing if we're losing my lot, we're going to have to throw it a lot. I'm saying under. I'm going to go over. Maybe Jared Wayne comes out, has a, balls out a little bit. I don't feel great about going over because at this point we have – who are the receivers who are playing right now? Wayne, Mumpfield. Bob Means wasn't wasn't playing much on Saturday. It seemed like Gavin Thompson got more reps as the number three receiver than Barton did. Gavin Thompson, who only earned a scholarship this past offseason – no disrespect. And managed to get Izzy tackled on what should have been a short touchdown. Yes. And we would be remiss to not mention that he had a very nice catch on the sideline, true, true, true. which was much more impressive than any catch uh, Bob Means has made at Pitt. But. Has he made a catch at Pitt? He has a couple. Okay. But uh, a guy who only earned a scholarship this last offseason is now part of that that equation. It's tough. I'm going to go over, but man, that receiver room looks a lot worse than it did when we were, when it was camp and we weren't actually getting to watch them play. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens when your number four receiver transfers. Because Bradley just transferred. Yep. Yeah. What, where are you going with this one? Yeah, the number four receiver leaving the program should not be a death sentence for your offense. Yeah, but here we are. Twelve and a half. What do you think, David? Uh, so I want you guys to guess how many completions per game Slovis has averaged in six six starts. I'm going to say completions. Completions per game. Say 16. Say 17. 17.8. Smart fellows, look at you two. Um, so that's seventeen point eight completions per game. Only one of those is over twenty-one. He's in the teens almost every game. Um, so when you're feeding the mouths of Izzy and Hammond, and Carter Johnson, and Gavin Bartholomew, I think once they take their cut of the pie, we're under twelve. So I'm going to say under. You want to see his secondary is bad. So it it should be over. Back and receivers are bad. Who sucks worse? Good old-fashioned (laughs) suck-off. All right, our favorite. And I've added a new wrinkle to the first touchdown score. Izzy is worth one point. Fuck you. Everyone else is worth three. That's such... That is a rule specifically targeting me. No, it's not. I cracked the code, and you're pissed. Well, I can change it whenever I want. I'm making them. I'm taking Izzy. (laughs) I'm still taking Izzy. 
is he leads the country in touchdowns. He's quite literally the only player who's scored a touchdown for us the last two games. Rodney Hammond, final answer. I got to make some points back here. We didn't even add the tally up what we did this week, but I'm certain I'm behind you guys. Well, yeah, you're bad at betting, and I bet Izzy because I am smart. Go big or go home. Okay. We'll pick cover plus three and a half. If you say they cover, that because we are underdogs, that doesn't necessarily mean you're picking them to win or lose. Well, they cover the three and a half. Go quick, and then we can get into score predictions. On three, let's say it. One, One. two, three. No. Yes. They cover three and a half. Okay. All right. Let me get a score prediction, Squid. Uh, David, you go first. Dylan, you go first. No. Uh... 35-28 North Carolina. Folks, that's Loyal Suns history. We just had one of the Loyal Suns pick against the Pitt Panthers. I don't remember exactly when it was, but I think there was one time somebody almost did. Him. Do you remember which game it was? No. Louisville? (laughs) It was last year, I I, I believe. I feel like the sacrificial lamb... It's like the reverse of Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong was the first man on the moon, and then like four other guys were on the moon like seconds later. Um, this is like the opposite of that in that instead of doing something really cool that no one's ever done before in like an admirable way, I'm being a disloyal son. So No, I'm, I'm following you. Yeah. I'm following you off onto the moon. I'm going to say... 38 to 24, North Carolina. Two scores, Squid. Wow, the first loyal son to ever pick Pitt to lose by double digits. That is, like, way worse than the thing that I did. Um, What can I say? I'm a straight shooter. Pitt's looked bad in recent weeks, and... I thought the line was a little stinky when it opened up only minus two. I definitely thought Pitt would be a touchdown underdog. I talked to a listener this week. We ran into him at Stevie Ray's Blues Bar. Um, I'm not going to say his name just because maybe he doesn't want me to say his name, but you know who you are. And what he said to me... Call him Matt Narduzzi. Okay. Matt Narduzzi said to me, you know what I love about you guys? You guys are just homers, straight homers, all about Pitt. I don't want to hear analytics or what what the numbers say or, oh, Pitt has looked bad. You guys are homers. And he wants, he wants his worldview reinforced. Right. I he, respect that. The optimistic Pitt fan who thinks we're the best until we lose and then we throw a hissy fit, which is what we are. I also have watched this Pitt team all season and have watched the struggles on offense. The games with UNC have always been close. 
last few years they've gone to OT. We've had plenty of years where we just couldn't get over that hump. First, how many years with Narduzzi he couldn't beat Larry Fedora, no matter how bad UNC was. And I've seen those games as well. So this feels like a three-point game to me. It spreads three and a half. So with all that being said, I'm going to go 30-27, to 27, and the Pitt Panthers are going to get back on a winning streak. They're going to go into Chapel Hill, get a win, and all of you will be back on the bandwagon. All of you will be checking the ACC Coastal standings week in and week out to figure out what computations and mathematic scenarios you can figure out to see how Pitt is going to make it back to Charlotte this year and when you'll have to book your trip and when we'll all see each other and what bars we're going to go to when we're in Charlotte. And that's what's going to happen on Saturday night after Pitt goes in Chapel Hill and pulls out a three-point W. Dylan, I'd be ready to run through a wall right now if I wasn't still pretty hungover. I was going to change my lock screen from Pitt's uh, season schedule earlier today, but I got distracted. Now I'm going to keep it. I'm going to need to know that because you're going to be right. This is your one big gambling hit of the year, and we'll get back on the horse. We'll be all all geared up. We might just lose to Syracuse the next week, but that's okay because we'll have hope for a little bit. It's Halloween weekend. Things are going to get real scary for the Tar Heels. You just can't kill these motherfuckers. You also can't kill what's already dead, baby. Yeah, I like that better. That's more fitting. Yeah. When you ain't got nothing, you ain't got nothing to lose. You know what? I'm going to change my score. I'm not. We're going to lose. <laughs> if you change your scores, and change mine to a one, two, but we've... You've gone too far. Yeah. It's stamped. It's ready to go. 8 p.m. Saturday night. Pittsburgh Panthers go down to Chapel Hill to take on the UNC Tar Heels. There's not really much else we can say. You got anything? We can't top your pep talk. Yeah. Just ride it out. I thought, just you know. Take, just take the next couple days, Panther fans. Let your heart heal and get back on the bandwagon. Please. Please win. Please win. Please prove these scumbags' predictions wrong and please win. Hail to Pip.